All right, universe. My ability to hit the pause button and not hit the pause button are about 50-50. But my ability to hit the start button and not hit the start button, well, that's only about 95-5. But considering I just talked for about three minutes while I was on stop, well, those three minutes are now gone to everybody but the cat and the dog. So, hello, universe. Here I am, once again, experiencing my own audio technical difficulties. But, what I was somewhat trying to convey was, one, glad I didn't take mushrooms, and two, went on a roller coaster dream ride last night. And, I'm glad I didn't take mushrooms, because I went on a roller coaster dream ride last night. If I had taken mushrooms, I'd probably still be awake going, I need some sleep. I need some sleep. And, because I got a good night's sleep, today is undeniably nice. It's probably 40 degrees at 10 o'clock, 10.30. And it's the 21st of December. And tomorrow is supposed to be Arctic weather apocalypse. If you're out for five minutes without gloves on, your hands will thaw out and just break into ice. So they say. And I don't know that my hands could thaw out and break into ice. That seems counterintuitive. I would think they would freeze and then break into ice. But maybe we're still in the theater of the absurd. Maybe we are. But I know where we're going next to the AK-47 diamonds because it's clearly necessary at this point. Whoever decided to name these little clear nuggets of goodness, THC goodness, diamonds, that person nailed it. Much like Prince nailed it in his song, Diamonds and Pearls, off of, I believe, Sign of the Times? No. Is that off Sign of the Times? Oh, what album is that off of? Diamonds and Pearls. I'm going to go with Sign of the Times, final answer. Oh, damn it. Should have phoned a friend. Well, it's not on Trippin' Down Periwinkle Lane, or whatever that one was, or Purple Rain, or... uh, or Cherry Moon, or uh, Suck My Kiss. Ooh, that's a Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, those two have a lot more in common than you know. Well, maybe you do know. I don't know. I could be wrong. <coughs> wow. Just give me a funky beat, though, and I'll be your pussycat doll, right? Buster Rhymes. <coughs> Hell yeah. Am I right? I'm definitely right. I'm coughing, so I'll stop. Don't you wish your weed would make you hot like me? Don't you wish your weed would make you cough like me? Don't ya? Hey, you know, why aren't the cough suppressants getting in on the weed game? Like, you'd think they'd be all over. Hey, smoking weed? You need halls? Eucalyptus. Okie dokie, Smokey. Someone go make the artichoke, because sooner or later we're going to want a toki. Do I have another okie finoki in my... What? Brokey? Alright. Instead of playing stupid rhyme games like two seven-year-olds. Or two seventy-seven-year-olds. Okay. I actually did get on because I have all kinds of shit written on my wall note that I have never gotten back to. And my wall note is this four-foot piece of paper that's, what, 20 inches wide? Hey, I wonder how close I am on those measurements. Should we measure and find out? Oh, I don't have a tape in here? Seriously? Like, ten of those. How could I not have one in my bedroom? Oh, well. Let's not measure it, then. But, 
and I and I just splatter notes all over this thing. I started it because I wanted to list all the shit that's wrong with Sandy Hook. Okay, so that's like one quarter of the right third of the note. But then everywhere else in what have to be seven different colors of pen are just random notes that I'm like, oh, shit, I got to write that down so I don't forget those kinds of notes. And then, of course, Lily came in here and defaced the thing with a bunch of graffiti, but Lily does what Lily does. Um, and so apparently, yeah, oh well. Um, and for those who don't know, Lily is the delusional schizophrenic who walked in my back door one day in the midst of a pretty serious delusional state. And, uh, we've been antagonists slash guardian angels for each other ever since. And by antagonist, I mostly mean like she would definitely be my arch nemesis, my arch enemy, my arch something, not the arch of my foot, but she would be, she is, she is the single hardest human being I've ever had to know. Why the universe made me get to know her well, so that I could get to know what a pain in the ass I had been most of my life. Because while, Lu while, Luli, while Lily may be the light version, or I'm sorry, the pro version of some of the, hmm, is it fair to call myself mentally quirky? How about my deviant side, or let's say the boundaries with which I would push deviance, they may not be at Lily's level, but they were extreme. And extreme to the point that, hmm... I did damage. And so Lily throws fluster cut bombs all over the universe and gets the comeuppance that's due her. And I guess I've gotten my comeuppance for the most part, but I still feel like I'm on that ledger in the having slid by some of the things that I probably justly deserved. Whereas Lily gets beat up like that kid at school that for whatever reason, everybody picks on. Well, society picks on her because delusional schizophrenia is not the kind of condition that we can tolerate as a general public. That is too spooky. We need that broken person isolated and medicated. Don't let them act like they do. And so, when she walked in my back door acting like she do, well, fortunately, I thought I was being pranked. I say fortunately because... If I hadn't had that intuition immediately, well, then this random woman's walking in my back door, and what the fuck would you do? But because I thought I was being pranked, and frankly, because Lily's only about five foot one and a half, um, I figured, worst case scenario, some dude was about to bust down my front door, and I was about to be, you know, house bound by two clever burglars or whatever. But since none of that ever really happened, the situation just kept getting weirder as I realized holy shit, this isn't a prank. This woman's actually delusionally in my back door thinking all these things she's saying. <clears throat> but that's Lily. She's in jail, so she's not around for a while. I haven't checked in to see what her current situation with, in, uh, with internment is. I'm not even sure if she's in the mental hospital or if she's in the jails. But wherever she is, I think she's in for a while because I know there was a probation bond out on her. And that's going to get settled up. So I don't think we'll be seeing Lily till probably my birthday, which is six months away. And <clears throat> that's for the best, because Lily is a disruptive tornado of ungodly force. 
Um, and Lily killed my dog, which I've never actually admitted to anyone but my mom. So there's that. But that was the moment in which I understood ultimate forgiveness. And uh, I think it was a base level reset that the universe was forcing me into. Because I had forgotten how kind and understanding and forgiving I really am. And when I say I forgive anything, well, I know what Lily did. She did in a state of mass confusion. And my dog paid the price. But I learned a lesson of enormous capacity through all that. And it's never left me. And it never will. It is scarred on me like that club flying across the ninth green. Both of those events forever changed me. One for the better and one for the, I guess, better. So, you never know what the universe is trying to get you to see. But I know the universe is trying to get me to see the faults within me and how to forgive the faults within me by forgiving what Lily had done around me. So, <clears throat> that's what Lily is. And she still could be a Tyler Durden person in my life. I don't know. I've met her grandma. That helps me think she's a real thing. But man, oh man, if ever there was a Fight Club relationship going on for me, that's it. Hey, I'm getting a call from my AT&T group. They're saying it's a spam risk, so I'm going to say, well, this is probably AT&T trying to sell me some insurance, so we'll decline that one. <sighs> Which means I'm still talking to you on my T-Mobile phone. I think I have it for a day or two more. I'm not really sure. It could shut off any second. But now that I got my AT&T here, the T-Mobile relationship that I put an axe to just about three weeks ago still feels great. God, breaking up with an abusive other is always nice. But I've only done it with corporations. I've always been fortunate enough to be in relationships with people who treated me well. Now, cheating on them was probably wrong, but I recognize that now. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. That was wrong. Uh, ah, man. Or was it? Uh, there's a reason I've only gotten to 20 months with six different women. Never passed. I just, I can't imagine a life singled up. I mean, maybe now. You know, 53. Fuck. Could I make it the rest of my life? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe not though, but whatever, I'm fine with being alone because I certainly am not into breaking anybody else's heart, that's for sure, pause, you know, none of this, I don't think has been on my list yet, so let's go to the list after I get back from this pause break where I'm going to go smoke a whole lot of weed, so you want to know the trick to knowing when somebody's attracted to you, it's simple, it's when you're acting like your real self. Because if you act like your real self, and I know this sounds like bullshit, but it's true, but when you act like your real self, literally, everybody is attracted to you. 
Everybody. Seriously, like moths to a flame. We're so attracted to real selves. That when we see them, we can't help but <coughs> engage them. And the more real, authentic, and genuine they turn out to be, God damn it, the more we like them. And eventually, we can't help but, like a proximity bomb, fall for their wily ways. So that's how you know. Act like your real self. Everyone will love you. I promise. Okay. I've also figured out recently that, you know, there's a Rodney Dangerfield joke. Uh, are you a breast man, a legs man, or an ass man? And I think the punchline is something like he's only ever been called an ass man, so he must be an ass man. But I figured out that Rodney Dangerfield and I have that in common. And that was part of my dream last night. I was talking to this really deep-voiced, baritone man in a white shirt. And we were talking about female form. And I kept coming back to how it's the small of the back and the curve of the ass, to me, that's the sexiest part of the woman. And it always has been. And so, I guess, at this point... I'm in club number two, the ass man. Whereas club number one is the boobs man and club number three is the legs man, I guess. Pause. Why am I talking about this? The first note I'm going to, well, the only ceilings we impose are the, or that we truly experience are the ceilings we impose on ourselves. Right? Not totally. Because, boy, does the universe want to impose ceilings upon us. And I've gotten to the point where I'm wondering what's the what's the incentive, what's the impetus to to have such uh, <clears throat> capacities, such uh, maximum capacities, constantly addressed and realized as if well, you can only be so lucky in this world, or you can only get so much advantage, or you can only have so much happiness, or you can only be Everything we're trained to think about, we're trained to think about in limited quantities. And I'm not saying that the rubber band of human experience doesn't bounce you all over the gamut of happiness to sadness to ecstasy to misery. I, I, I'm convinced that we're here for that bandwidth. We're not here to just run down a train of pure joy. And yet, when... You conceive of how you are reaching out into the universe, how your bandwidth, your universe, your rubber band is bouncing around. I think oftentimes that's when we start twisting our rubber band into a ball instead of blowing it apart and letting it fly. Boy, that's a terrible analogy. The analogy is actually okay. It's just the wording was terrible. Huh. Anyhow. <clears throat> what does a ceilingless human look like? One who expects that they are capable of anything and everything. Who demands that level of confidence from within themselves. We don't know. We've never seen that person. That person is not Madonna or Annie Farmer or any other overachieving human. It just is 
it's perhaps it's part of being in this 3D time and space. I mean, there are limits. <clears throat> there are speed limits. I believe. I do think that co-location doesn't have to do with speed. So speed of light, let's say 186,000 miles per second is in fact the fastest this universe allows anything to go. So there are caps. Or are there? We don't know that that's the speed of light. We haven't proven it. Well, we have proven our experience in perceiving light necessitates light move at that speed, but we can't prove that light actually moves. Light's weird. <clears throat> what if light is simply the illumination of consciousness? I, I really do think the expansion of the universe is the expansion of conscious experience. The universe is here to record and document that which can be experienced. And we're here as the agents to act in that place to allow the universe to know what can be experienced. And thus the universe grows larger. But why do we choose to come to Earth when all other experiences are so much more tranquil, serene, and ultimately satisfying? The dissatisfaction with disappointment and loss and hurt and transgression and all of this stuff. What's, what, what is, and Okay, so we're in a position where we can overcome all that. Is that in itself the level of internal fulfillment that creates a seventh dimensional being? Maybe. Maybe every run you come back on Earth for is because if you ever figure it out here, you leapfrog straight to the astral plane. But... Aside from those civilizations millions of years ago and all that megalithic rock they built. Since then, well, fuck, Earthmen, nothing but a goddamn short bus full of people in helmets going, I don't know, but I got mine, so it's all good for me. Right? And we worship these people. You know? Those who stole the most. Those who imperialed the world the best, those who said to the other skinned people, your skin is the wrong color, so we're going to steal your shit and murder your people. Well, those people we look up to. And those people who steal from us our wages, our labor, and our fucking effort. Well, we look up to them too! Humans. What are we doing? So anyway, I claim to be a solutions-oriented dude. My solution here is, let's quit thinking we have a ceiling. Let's quit thinking there's a limit to what we can achieve in our capacity to be kind, forgiving, and understanding of each other. Why can't that be the ceiling that we're going to break? Why do I have to have some reservoir of kindness that once it's been used up, I ain't going to be kind anymore, bitches. 
You got to wait a week before I even think about being kind because you've been asking too much kindness of me. I ain't going to forgive nothing else the rest of the damn week. Hell, the rest of the damn month. You know how much I've forgiven this month? Fuck y'all. Y'all bitches. No. I have an unlimited capacity to be kind. I could be kind for every second for the rest of my life, and it wouldn't wear me out. Just like I can forgive everything that you can honestly come to me and explain to me how you got wrapped up in whatever you got wrapped up in. I believe the human experience is so susceptible to the wrong intuition, the wrong piece of advice, the wrong intuition from within, influence from without. I mean, you name it. All of a sudden, you can find yourself in a, what the fuck am I doing with my life situation? I forgive you. There's nothing even to forgive. I understand you. So, I'm kind. I really don't know what else to say. But once I stopped thinking I had a ceiling for how kind, understanding, and forgiving I am, well, you know what I did? Started remembering what it was like to be my 10-year-old self. The one that was really cool and was voted king of the school. That guy started appearing all over my life again. Because that guy never had learned anything but to be kind, understanding, and forgiving. I mean, that was about to change significantly. But until that point, I kind of had my shit together. Pause. Alright, and let's not be spending time today going through what went wrong. There's a lot of that. Just go listen to it. Instead, let's go look for something else that we can make go right. I'm going to go back to that list. I'll be right back. And note to self, do not set the wall on fire. Note to self again, do not set the wall on fire. Pause. Nobody can beat four twos, right? Okay. I'm going to do something I never do. I am going to preview the next recording. Because these three concepts are going to be the foundation of what I say in the next round. I love myself. I actually, it says, I now love myself. That's important that it says now. That's concept one. Concept two. Self-important much? Question mark. I think we're long overdue for that one. Concept three. I want an altruistic moment. And then I'm going to end this one with, I no longer want to live in a universe that feels this unsettling. What else is there to say? Uh... I guess that's kind of my motivation for everything anymore. So maybe there is nothing else to say. I just no longer want to live in a universe that's this unsettling. There's too much stress. There's too much disappointment. There's too much loss. There's too much anguish. There is way too much sorrow. And so I'm doing my best to stay upbeat, to find good connections that make me feel more purposeful and resourceful with my outreach to make other people feel the same. 
I really don't know what could feel more purposeful in my life than that.